Welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. It's your friend, it's your co-pilot, it's your designated hitter. It's Andrew Zimmel in with you as we continue to work our way through this universe of ours. Got a lot of TCU sports to talk about. TCU baseball off to a hot start, a sweep, and uh, they're looking very much like one of the better teams in the conference after a couple of hiccups earlier in the season. TCU basketball, it wrapped up last week, got some guys going to the NBA draft and also jumping in the transfer portal. We'll talk a little bit about that. And of course, new head coach for women's basketball, why that is a big change and could swing the program entirely. But first, got to remind you, subscribe, rate, review to the podcast wherever you get it. You guys have been doing a great job, not a good job, not a decent job, a great job of spreading the word about the TCU podcast, the Hypnotoad podcast. So continue to do that as we get closer and closer to football season. Going to talk spring football too. Boy, a lot of stuff going on over there, and I'm excited about it. Uh, go follow Harlan College Sports on Twitter as well. They do a lot of fun stuff over there, including keeping graphics, a lot of cool graphics, a lot of cool articles too. Go to the website. I, I, I love it. Uh, number one spot, I think, to go for all your Big 12 information. So, Let's talk TCU baseball. 16-9 on the season on a six-game winning streak. And a couple weeks ago, if you would have told me that this is where we would be, I'd be a little skeptical. We talked, I think, two or three weeks ago about TCU baseball losing to Texas State. Now, you know, my alma mater, it's a good school, not a great school. Baseball, probably one of their best sports when it comes to men's athletics. But to lose to Texas State kind of was a red flag to me, especially ranked in the top 25 at the time. Uh, TCU was. That is not great. Anytime you lose to a mid-major program, even if it is earlier in the season, it gives me a little bit of pause. Makes me a little nervous, to be completely honest with you. But since then, completely turned things around. Swape against uh, Kansas last weekend, and then took down UTA on Tuesday, 14-3. to And really, the big takeaway I've had so far, as we get like 25 games into the season, across the board, across college baseball, is pitching not really there for a lot of teams. It seems like a lot of teams went into the offseason thinking to themselves, everybody needs to learn how to hit. Everybody needs to learn how to hit moonshots, put the ball into play, and defenses will make mistakes. It felt like everybody worked on the hitting side of the ball, and nobody got with the pitchers because the pitching has been up and down. Even for TCU and their staff, there's a couple games where I've been thinking to myself, hey, what's going on? Now, again, early in the season, but we're getting about that quarter way mark. You know what I mean? Like, we have the entire regular season. Okay, great. There's like 40 games there. Then we talk about Big 12 tournament play. And then you hope that you get to the NCAA tournament. You go through all the regionals. So there's like 100 games in the season, if we're being completely honest with you. So 25 games in, maybe a quarter of the way through the season, potentially. Pitching still kind of a question mark for a lot of these teams. Now, big win against Kansas. They are not the team... Uh, that I think anybody has on their radar when it comes to potentially winning the Big 12. But it's nice to sweep. Every sweep that you get in conference play is a big deal. So this is the second straight game for Anthony Silva, who drove in five runs. He hit two-run home run and then a three-run home run in the game. He had 12 RBIs during TCU's six-game winning streak so far. Now, if that's a name that you haven't heard before, we haven't talked about him on the podcast before, and he is our player of the week when we talk baseball, he is the player of the week this week uh, because of this incredible six-game stretch, the six-game stretch TC has been on, but also he's been playing really good. The freshman, he's been crushing this season. 
21 hits in 25 games. So he's consistent, which is incredible for a freshman. Sometimes you see these guys, they come in, they're still trying to find their way, a little wet behind the ears. A lot of coaches, they don't necessarily trust a guy uh, coming in as a freshman. He's a four-year starter at Clark High School in San Antonio. and He was a two-time um, conference player. Of the like conference player of the year type guy, uh, on the on the all conference team, okay, in, in high school. So he's not a schlup. He's not somebody. TCU never has any of those guys. Like baseball program has been legit, continues to be legit. They're never going to have a guy that's going to come in and really not be able to perform for the most part. But the reason I bring all this up is that this guy's played a lot of innings, seen a lot of pitches, got a lot of game under his belt, and it's showing early in his uh, collegiate career. Crushing of the season, twenty one hits in twenty five games. Uh, or I should say he's recorded a hit in 21 of the 25 games. 333 batting average. You'd like to see that up a couple points here. Not the end of the world. 20 RBIs, three home runs. So Done a lot of good stuff. Had a really big series against uh, Kansas and then, of course, against UTA on Tuesday. Uh, TCU, they face Texas Tech on Friday. Start the three-game uh, weekend, the three-game weekend series. The Red Raiders. 18 and 8 on the season, but don't let that record confuse you because they're not been very good in the, in the previous couple games. They're on a four-game losing streak, two and four in conference play uh, after getting swept by Texas. Now, Texas is the team to beat right now in the Big 12. They are on a 15-game win streak. They are 3 and 0 in conference play after that sweep against Texas Tech. I still see a couple question marks when I watch Texas play baseball. I just do. I think that they've done a really good job of establishing themselves. I want to say that they have 19 wins already on the season. I think only one other team has 20 wins in conference. Uh, not in conference play, but just in the conference, non-conference combined. I think Oklahoma State has 20 wins. So Texas has is the number one team right now in conference, early in conference play. I think that that is probably going to come back down to earth. I still believe, and I said this earlier on the podcast, I still believe this is a two-team race. I think that it's going to be Texas. I think it's going to be TCU coming down to the wire. And the winner of the conference, of course, will get very good seeding in the regional tournament. The loser, I don't want to say won't have great seeding because I think the Big 12 has the best baseball conference. Uh, but I do think that it is a two-horse a two race in this conference. TCU baseball, they come back to Fort Worth next week when they play Oklahoma State. So... Oklahoma State, they're four and two. Kansas State's four and two. TCU's four and two. Texas, of course, nineteen and uh, seven overall. They're in the first place with a three and zero record in conference. So, there's your baseball roundup. TCU baseball, very much alive, very much kicking, very much doing a lot of good stuff. As the uh, season continues, of course, we're, we're going to continue to do the player of the week thing because I think that it's important to kind of highlight some of these baseball players because when you watch them on a weekend series in Fort Worth. The next thing you know, you might be watching them uh, at Globe Life. You might be watching them in the pros. Like I, I really do believe that TCU has continues to have some of the best collegiate baseball players. Don't see a lot of them going to the league yet. And uh, hopefully Anthony Silva in the next couple of years w- will be one of those guys that we're watching uh, 162 games a year. TCU basketball. All right. So you listened to the podcast last week. We talked a little bit about the disappointment. TCU was a six seed. In the NCAA tournament, they lost a three-seeded Gonzaga. Gonzaga, then they were upset. So, TCU's not going to be on anybody's championship DVD. What I mean by that, at the end of the year, season's done, you cut the nets down. One of these places puts out the championship DVD. Well, they used to, at least. 
I still look at it this way. I don't want to be on that DVD. I don't want the team that beats me to end up winning the whole thing because I don't want somebody to think about the grief that was caused on me and my team and my fans. I don't want that. I don't want to have a championship DVD ever in any sport ever. TCU losing to Gonzaga, I was concerned about that. Gonzaga had a lot of people thinking that they were legit. They, of course, they lost uh, in the Elite Eight, so they are done now too. TCU basketball, one of the best seasons. Uh, Jamie Dixon did an incredible job with this team, but we're already seeing guys kind of transferring out and leaving. And let's talk about the two guys going to the NBA draft or announcing for the NBA draft and the one guy who's going in the transfer portal. Three members of the team, well, and you got to think uh, Eddie Lampkin already has transferred out, not being or having a tough relationship with Jamie Dixon. We're still trying to kind of sort through the weeds there, try to figure out what the true story is. We have one side of the story. Coach Dixon hasn't really said anything about his side of the story yet. Um, so we're trying to still straighten all of that out. But a lot of members of this team are leaving. And uh, I think that that's going to be a problem next year, especially if Dixon cannot replace some of that talent. First guy, Emmanuel Miller. He was the first member of the TCU basketball team to announce that he was going to go to the NBA draft. Two-time All-Big 12 honorable mention. Miller averaged 12 points and 6.5 rebounds per game. He played a lot of minutes for this TCU team. He started 65 games for the Frogs in his two seasons at Fort Worth after transferring from Texas A&M after the, uh, 20, or before the 2021-2022 season. This is what caught my attention. So I was reading all these different reports. Miller is leaving. You go to the draft guides. You see, okay, what's his shades of? Is he going to be somebody that gets drafted? I don't think he's a lottery pick. He might be a second-round guy potentially maybe he gets a two-way contract. I just don't... Miller is a good player. I just don't know if he's one of the 64 best players in the world. And that's what the NBA draft kind of decides, right? The 64 best players in the world get drafted. Everybody else ends up going to the G League, going overseas. I want Miller to end up on a roster. I think Miller could end up on a roster. I just don't know if he's going to get drafted. But this is what caught my attention. Miller was, quote, a key figure in perhaps the TCU's greatest two-year run in program history. Now, this caught my attention because I didn't think that this was the best two-year run. I thought there was going to be other No, this is it. TCU fans, you're living in a renaissance right now. I don't think people really can kind of, they don't realize how good they have it in the moment. And I want to take a moment here to appreciate what we have going on as Horn Frog fans. Of course, the football team, nobody would deny the football team's success in the last year has been incredible. Over the last 10 years has been outstanding. Over the last 20 years, you know, 20 years ago, if you told a TCU fan that they'd be playing in a national championship, you would have been called crazy, you know, playing in the Mountain West. So it's like, that is incredible. This, the strides that the football team has made last season was a great season, one of the best seasons in TCU history, okay? So encapsulate that. You have a great football team. Basketball is on this incredible run with Coach Dixon. It kind of goes under the radar because you're in the Big 12. It's a great conference. Texas playing in the Final Four. You have teams like Kansas, Kansas State, who are really good teams. Baylor has been really good. Texas Tech has been really good. So, like, you're in a great basketball conference. So this little bit of a run that TCU's been on the last two years kind of gets overshadowed a little bit, I think. But TCU fans, it's not overshadowed to us. We have a great program. And I see that this program is finally in an upward direction. The stock put price is going up for TCU basketball. And then, of course, TCU baseball. 
You know, we just talked about it a little earlier. This is a team that year in and year out is competing to win the Big 12 Conference. Regular season titles, they matter. I'm more curious about the conference titles uh, in the tournament. This is a team that could win the regular season, if we're being completely honest with TCU baseball. This two-year run has been great, and it's a big part because of uh, Emmanuel Miller and, of course, uh, Miles, Mike Miles Jr., who we're going to talk about here in a moment. Mike Miles Jr., he announced he would be following Miller. He announced on Wednesday, junior guard leaving TCU. He ranks 15th in career scoring, twenty or 1,200 points, averaging 17.9 points per game, which was the second most in the Big 12 Conference this year. He excelled towards the end of the season. This is what really propelled TCU. We talked about the basketball team coming into the tournament. I said if he can play well, if Mike Miles Jr. can play well, this Horn Frog team has a real shot a real shot at making some noise, and that's exactly what they did. They beat Kansas State in the uh, Big 12 tournament, which was a really big deal to me. Uh, then they go on and they win their game in the uh, NCAA tournament and then go and lose to Gonzaga. So here's the deal. 21.8 points per game over the two-game stretch of the Big 12 championship game and then the two NCAA tournament games. He's the first Horned Frog to be named to three all-Big 12 conference player um, teams. Okay, like This is a big deal. Again, it gets shuffled up. It gets lost in the hoopla. It gets lost in all the other conference awards. It gets lost in all the national attention. Mike Miles Jr., one of the best, if not the best, TCU basketball player over the last five years. I'm going to say that again. Mike Miles Jr., one of the, if not the best, TCU basketball player over the last five years. So for him to go to the NC or for him to go to the NBA draft, it's a big loss. That's going to be a big, some big shoes to fill for Coach, Coach Dixon and. Uh, TCU men's basketball team. Now, I'm going to take a moment here and say thank you to these guys. I, I don't imagine. Well, let me rephrase. I think they do listen to the podcast. I think a lot of people listen to the podcast, but I want to thank them for their service for getting TCU to a place where it's not embarrassing to talk about TCU basketball. All right, so two guys going to the NBA draft. Last guy, he's transferring out. Freshman PJ Haggerty, he announced he's transferring this week. The former three star averaged three points per game and a rebound and a half per game. He appeared in only six games during his uh, freshman season, and he was in conversations to get a red shirt this year. Hegarty is the only recruit signed out of the 2022 class by head coach Jamie Dixon. He also landed uh, Oklahoma State transfer Rondo Walker and SMU transfer uh, Tyler Lundbraid in the portal. So that 2022 class, not exactly something you're writing home to if uh, you're a TCU fan. So we see this happen. Kind of the writing was a little bit on the wall. Uh, if you listen or talk to anybody around the TCU basketball program, it seems like this was like an inevitable thing. I don't think that this is the type of transfer move that is going to completely ruin the program, right? Like there's some guys, Lampkin in particular, I think, that when they leave the program, that is a big loss. I don't think Haggerty leaving is like that big of a loss for TCU basketball. Of course, anytime that you have to replace a guy on the roster, with somebody who wasn't here last year. Anytime you have to replace a guy who was even giving you a little bit of production, it's tough because you know you have your system, you have your locker room, you have your chemistry, and now you're missing three, potentially four, potentially five guys off this year's roster who aren't going to be here next year to try to fight back for the Big 12 uh, title. That to me is rough, and it, you know I'm not envious of any of these coaches. The minute that the final buzzer sounds, I think that the saying goes, you get 12 hours to feel sorry for yourself, and then you have about 12 months to get back there, right? 
I think that the TCU coaching staff has to jump on this now, and I think that they already have. They got to get it on now. They got to start recruiting. They already got to start picking up the phone and getting those guys into the gym and uh, see what we got next year. So, again, an incredible season for TCU men's basketball. Very happy for them. Very happy that it's a team that you can talk about. You know, as a content creator, as somebody who likes, who loves TCU athletics, you want to have teams that you can talk about, that you can root for, that there's entertainment, that there's intrigue, right? Basketball, for the longest time at TCU, was not something that you paid a ton of attention to. Football season ended, and you got ready for baseball season, and those two months in between were kind of just like an overlap, fill in, what what can you talk about? Basketball this year has been great. Super happy that they had a good season, and uh, hopefully Coach Dixon can kind of continue to move the stock price up for this program. All right, let's wrap it up with TCU women's basketball. I know, we did not talk about them nearly enough this year, partially because they weren't any good. Mark Campbell, he was hired as the women's basketball coach earlier this month. Uh, he is now the sixth coach to take over the program. He replaces Reagan Pebley, who stepped down at the conclusion of this season. Uh, Campbell, he was at Sacramento State before this taking this role. He inherited a Sacramento State team that went 3-22 of 22 in 2021. Under Campbell's leadership, the Hornets, they went 14-16 and 16 last season and 25-8 and eight this season. Sacramento State, they clinched a share of their first ever Big Sky Conference uh, before winning the conference tournament. Keeps, keep an eye on that. We'll come back to that. Prior to his experience at Sacramento State, he spent seven seasons as the associate head coach of Oregon's women's team and helped the Ducks to six NCAA tournament appearances, three Pac-12 championship titles, and two conference tournament crowns, as well as having one of the best recruiting classes ever. Why does all this matter? Because this is a guy who's coming in here trying to do the exact same thing that Jamie Dixon did for TCU men's basketball. You're trying to turn a program around that was so-so. How do you go from so-so to making an immediate impact? How do you go from so-so to getting back to a position where you're competing for conference titles? I'll tell you how. You get a guy who turned around a Sacramento State program. Now, Sacramento State... I did a little research. They are not by any means one of the worst teams in the country, right? Like Sacramento State, I looked at the campus as somebody who was just on a college campus recently. I can tell you a lot of them look the same, right? There's the absolute top, and then there's about 85% of campuses look very similar, should be treated very similar, and then like the final 5% is kind of bad, right? Sacramento State by no means is a bad campus. I imagine that they probably can get pretty good recruits there. I imagine that they probably can get pretty good California recruits there. Texas is a bastion for athletic talent. Texas is a bastion for women's talent. I don't need to tell you that. You look around the the, the cities, you look around the teams in the state of Texas, and you know that there are great athletes in the state. That's a no-brainer. I think that he's coming into a situation that – is ripe for the picking. Women's basketball in the state of Texas has pretty much primarily been dominated by two programs, Baylor and Waco and Texas and Austin. But there's a large stretch of road there that there's not, hasn't really been recruited in my opinion, doesn't get recruited in my opinion. The state is ripe with talent. I think that he's coming in and he is going to hit the iron while it's hot. I think that the way that the season ended for TCU, there's a real good shot that next year at this time we're talking about a women's team that has made a ton of strides. And hopefully that uh, for his sake and uh, for the women's basketball program, that, that is the case. But I'm, I'm excited. I'd give the, the hire a solid A-. I think you look around 
the league play, you look around the uh, NCAA tournament, the just the entire field. This probably was the best hire TCU could make. So I am I'm stamping it. I give it the Zimmel approval. I'm very happy about the hire and about where TCU women's basketball is. And maybe next year that they're good enough that we give them a little bit more airtime. That's on me. I'll I'll own up to that. We should have talked more women's basketball. Uh, TCU women's basketball. Get a new head coach. And uh, it's, a, it's an A-plus hire. I'm happy about it. All right, that's going to do it for the Hypnotoad podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Remember, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get it. And remember to go follow Heartland College Sports on Twitter. I will talk to you guys next week.